When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Yeah, I am proud of him. Uh, you know, for him to be able to come back from the type of injury that he had and still be playing in the NFL, our statistics, you know, when the injury happened, it was pretty bleak outlook for him. But, you know, that's kind of kid he is. Um, I actually talked to Sean Payton today. Sean, Sean said he's, you know, the same guy, no, no restrictions, doing well. You know, and Teddy's a competitor. He'll try and... They'll try and stick it to us just like we're going to stick it to him. Okay, welcome into Purple Daily. It is here. Finally, I woke up and the birds were chirping. The sun was shining and there was football in my life. Preseason action tonight. Minnesota Vikings, New Orleans Saints. Vent line here after the game with Zolgad and Manny Hill, I think. And uh, we have Courtney Cronin from ESPN. We have Myron Metcalf from ESPN. We're going to have a Zolgad in our life later in the show to talk about this. Uh, everyone, football is back. And uh, how how are you guys? How are you, Myron? I'm good, man. I'm happy, man. It, it, it's back. And I'm also uh, on a show with Courtney Cronin. Yo, the, the I'm superstar. so jacked right now. <laughs> this is the best time of my life. Football's back. I'm on a show with Myron. Matt's here, too. Um, I'm hyped. <laughs> this is a great day. Yeah, Matt is here, too. Matt, we'll keep you involved in the oh, show. Okay, yeah, thank you, you. We will completely that. push you off and, and third wheel you here while we like geek out about stuff, but it might happen once or twice. It, it could happen. I feel like you guys have a, this special like ESPN connection, and I'm just like, okay, all right, well, you know. Uh, I used to write hockey for ESPN, okay? Um, all right, so let's, let's just start with Teddy Bridgewater, okay? Uh, Mike Zimmer... Got emotional a little bit talking about Teddy Bridgewater, and he told a story about Teddy's mom calling him after his dad had passed away. And he also was sure to note that the statistics were not good after Teddy hurt his knee for a full recovery, and yet it seems like Teddy has found his way back. I mean, Myron, this is one of the great stories, I think, in sports if um, Teddy Bridgewater is able to one day become the New Orleans Saints full-time quarterback. Yeah, I mean, though, is this kind of like, you know, when you take your new girlfriend or boyfriend back home, you're like, hey, everybody, here's Shirley. And your mom's like, oh, cool. But how's Stacy doing? Right? Like, it's kind of <laughs> weird, right? Like, they're going to see Teddy Bridgewater. Everybody's going to be talking about Teddy Bridgewater. He obviously has this connection and relationship that Kirk Cousins doesn't have with the guys right now. And I just wonder, like, how that's going to unfold, like what the vibe will be like but yeah you go back to Teddy Bridgewater and I remember the day he got hurt it was devastating for everybody not just because it seemed like he was on his way up 
but because he was so likable. He was just such a cool dude, and you wanted to see him succeed. So it'd be fun to see him out there, but you're also like, could have, should have been, like, what could have happened, right? I think so. I think all the what-ifs that Mike Zimmer went over and has gone over time and again, uh, they never will go away. I wrote that in my story for today just about... You know, this is such an emotional thing, and this is an, a game that all these football men try to take the emotion out of. But this is such a cool comeback story, and for the fact of the matter that Zimmer's been there the entire step of the way, like nobody knows more about what Teddy Bridgewater went through in that entire process than Mike Zimmer. Um, I think that you can't take away from the night that this is Teddy's night. It's Teddy and Mike Zimmer's night. It's their chance. You know, even though he never got a chance to see it through in Minnesota, he's seeing his guy through. Uh, in another place. And I don't think you can do anything but be happy for him, uh, regardless of what side of the equation you're on. I mean, every person you talk to loves Teddy Bridgewater, thinks he's the greatest presence that this locker room has ever had. These guys who have not, you know, you, you'll talk to players who are around him for one season and still gush about him. And I just like think him. that that's the cool thing about it, where his legacy Maybe this is a little far, but you know he he was never in the building in Egan. But it's not—it's almost like in a way his presence never left that locker room. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, Matt, you're out there all the time. Do you well, feel the same thing? I, I wrote about this last year when the Vikings played the Saints of just how much he impacted individual players to become just better. I mean, Adam yeah. Thielen had a long. Um, thing Maybe it was the most detailed I've ever heard Adam Thielen be at the podium when I asked him last year about Teddy Bridgewater. And he said that when Bridgewater got hurt, he would still help Thielen understand the receiver position better from the quarterback's eyes. So throughout the 2017 season, as Thielen is emerging as one of the best receivers in the NFL, he's meeting with Teddy Bridgewater to get help on how he can make Case Keenum better. And I think that that is basically his legacy in Minnesota, other than he was screwed by a kicker who shanked one from 27 yards. So Teddy should have had a playoff win and who knows what happens after that on his resume and he should have had a game winning drive in the playoffs in the, you know, essentially the ice bowl there um, for the Vikings playing in in the Gopher Stadium and everything else. So he kind of had his moment without having it finished by Blair Walsh, but then after that, it was just how much he was able to help almost every single player, including Case Keenum. I remember Case Keenum telling a story about Bridgewater coming over to him and saying, hey, I saw something in the pictures in Washington's defense. Why don't you try this? And it resulted in a bomb touchdown to, I think, Stephon Diggs. So the fact that he was willing to be a leader and help when he was the backup quarterback and probably desperately wanted to get his job back in Minnesota really says something about why everyone still talks about him this way because you know guys you two doing uh, writing as well I mean I'm sure there are a million times where someone has a throwaway compliment that they clearly don't mean when you're yeah. when you're doing a piece on somebody uh, that is definitely not the case when you talk to people about uh, Teddy Bridgewater but isn't that isn't that the difference though like when you think about cousins and Bridgewater like clearly Bridgewater had this natural connection to guys in the locker room, right? And and here we are going into the first preseason game, and it's almost as if, like, Kirk Cousins and Thielen and Diggs, they're all working really hard to kind of build this relationship, which is fine, right? You want them to have a good relationship. That's the only way they succeed. But it just seemed like Teddy Bridgewater just kind of had it. Like, some guys have that, and I think that's one thing that Kirk Cousins 
has lacked. And I think that's part of the transition from a guy like Teddy uh, to someone like Kirk Cousins, who seems to he's still trying to figure out, like, how do I connect with these guys? And I think they're trying to figure out how they connect to him as well. That's why I think tonight, if you're Kirk Cousins and you hear the stories and you see the guys before the game walking over, hugging Teddy Bridgewater, you hear your coach gushing about him. Does that make you go, Courtney? Well, do I need to be more like that? You know, what am I doing differently? Like, how does a guy like Kirk Cousins process what will unfold tonight? Yeah, I mean, you don't do what you did the other day and talk about Garrett Bradbury's poster- posterior sweating. <laughs> that was um, so weird. I don't think Teddy would have done that. I mean, it's, that was weird. I've never been around an athlete other than like Steph Curry that's more universally liked. And I don't think I've ever heard a bad thing about Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you just don't find that because you talk to guys off the record on background. I mean, not everybody's going to be. Um, as forthcoming, I think about, you know, just talking about the personalities of guys. But even when you get guys after dark moments or after losses and just things like that, because I wasn't here. I didn't cover Teddy as like Teddy, the, the guy in 2014 and 15. Like I just I, I was here when he was rehabbing through his injury and we didn't know um, when if and when Case Keenum was going to be pulled and Teddy was going to take that job. So, I mean, the, the moment to me, and I think everybody has these moments with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, that's going to stick out to me forever is the, the, well, it wasn't a skull clap. It was a Teddy chant that Case led yes, standing yes. on the sideline and that blowout loss <laughs> yeah. over, blowout win over the Bengals. Um, and it was, you know, Teddy got in for what, like eight minutes and it was, you know, Michael Floyd dropped a pass. Jarek McKinnon, yeah. I think dropped one too. So they didn't really do him any service there, but that moment, um, and, and just kind of, you're watching a real life 30 for 30 take place before your eyes in real time. And I just think that that's such a rare thing here because we don't think about go across sports right now. We don't have another comeback story like this that's playing out in real time in any other league, at least not that I can think of. And that's what makes this special because whatever side of the equation on, you're rooting for him. I mean, you, you hear what Sean Payton was telling Mike Zimmer about, I think I have a, I think I have a quarterback. I have a future quarterback in my building right now. Um, and there's a reason that, you know, Zimmer's kept in touch with him for so many years and, and thought that that was the quarterback he was going to retire with. He just has it. And that's the thing is Myron mentions about Kirk and just kind of the leadership and owning this locker room. There were ways that Teddy did it that not even Case Keenum could do it. Um, mm-hmm. And even even in that 2017 year, I still felt in a way like it was Teddy's locker room. And Case was very respectful of that, knowing that like, hey, I'm the fill-in guy right now because Sam went down. But regardless, this was going to be Teddy's locker room anyways. So the interesting part about this is um, how they much they contrast each other, as you guys are saying, is where you have Kirk Cousins that throughout his whole career, it seems, has found ways to have people be irritated with him. I thought that was phrased perfectly in, in the Mike Sando piece when he talked to executives, is yeah. that when he was in Washington, D.C., people are upset with him. His president is calling him Kurt on purpose. Uh, there was a wide receiver that I had heard did not want to come here, even talk about coming to Minnesota as a free agent, because he didn't want to work with Kirk Cousins. And, and and then we saw it last year. So a lot of the things that had been said in the awkward situations in D.C., we kind of figured out, okay, this is why, because even in a blowout win over Miami, he still found a way to throw somebody under the bus after the game. Or when he's trying to pick on a teammate, give him a hard time, 
he still ends up going too far and then getting the guy on the Dan Lebitard show talking about his sweaty <laughs> butt. It's just like he really he really struggles to to just sort of pinpoint exactly how you do this when it comes to connecting and leading at the same time. But I would also like to point out that Bridgewater was also the opposite of Cousins when it came to situational stuff, where you were down by six points in a fourth quarter and you needed somebody to drive you. Teddy Bridgewater was excellent statistically in those situations. When you had Adrian Peterson have two negative runs and put you in third down in 11, Teddy Bridgewater found a way, despite having two tackles that were worse than what the Vikings had last year and getting pressured even more than Kirk Cousins was. He had that pocket presence. He had that ability to make a play when everything went wrong. And then if it did go wrong and they lost, he wasn't going to come out and say, yeah, well, I was in the right you know, <laughs> pocket uh, you know, depth or whatever, and uh, my guy let his defensive end go by and strip sack me. That was never going to happen. So you know, I think if you are somebody who played with Bridgewater, and to some extent this goes for Bradford and Keenum, you were probably pretty stunned by what happened last year with Kirk Cousins' personality. Now, I think this year they're probably over it and probably trying to just uh, get past all that. But, Myron, when things get rocky... That's where Teddy Bridgewater seemed to be his best and where Kirk Cousins seems to be at his worst, and I'm not sure how you can solve that. Yeah, and I think you hit on something really important, Kyler. How do you respond to those situations, right? Like growing up in Wisconsin, you know, the Packers and Brett Favre, like people just, they do anything for him. You just didn't hear guys go, well, it was his fault or it was, it was, you know, that guy's fault. You know, Brett would take the blame. And then players would say, no, 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 it's not Brett, it's, it's me, right? So I think for like a new guy to come into the locker room and say, well, if these dudes would just do what they're supposed to do, we'd be fine. That's a hard thing to take in any situation, right? Like, I don't know you like that. Like, so who are you to come in to say these things? And I think Kirk didn't really ease into that leadership component. It seems like he's learned, though, from last year, some of the things he's saying and trying to make adjustments. But I think that was sort of the challenge. If you come in in a way as if you're almost above these guys, a lot of people aren't going to take kindly of that. They're not going to like that. And then if you don't win ball games, that's another problem because now it's like, why should I respect you if you're not leading us to victory? So I think there have to, has, a lot of things have to happen. Number one, they got to win because that cures a lot of problems. But number two, if you're going to be a leader, you got to find a way to relate to these guys. Because who cares what's happening in week one, two, three, four? Week seven, eight, nine, ten, when you're trying to make a push for the playoffs, if that chemistry isn't there, that's when teams begin to break down. And I don't know if Kirk is going to make enough changes to in those moments on the field and off the field to be the leader that the Vikings need. Courtney, tell tell me if you agree with this. I think in order to take the locker room for his own, because he still has it. And Myron, you brought this up uh, earlier when you said that guys are still talking about building chemistry. Weird, they never talked about that with Sam Bradford, who showed up 10 days before the season. (laughs) Or they never talked about that with Case Keenum, who never played with the first team during the entire camp, and then all of a sudden comes out and wins a bunch of games. And yet we're two years into this and still talking about, well, you know, it takes time for the chemistry. Um, It really shouldn't. Uh, But I think Kirk needs a moment. I think he he needs... Some sort of turning point in his relationship with everybody where they can all say, okay, let's get over Teddy. Let's get over Case Keenum. Let's get over those relationships with those guys and what we expect from our quarterback. This is our guy now because last year you never really had that feeling and it certainly showed up in week 17 on the sideline with him and Thielen where Thielen was just not going to hear it from that guy and we've never seen that from Thielen with anybody else and no matter how much those guys tried to downplay that, I think that was the kind of explosion of this didn't work this year with you in the 
locker room to Kirk Cousins. So they need some sort of turning point game moment situation something Ugh, where know. Kirk Cousins gets them to buy in. Don't don't encourage him too much or you might get another you like that type moment because <laughs> yeah, wasn't yeah. that supposed to be the moment that it turned people into to turn people on to Kirk Cousins and I don't know did that make the locker room like him more in Washington did did that mm. help anything I don't I don't think so. The way that I look at the situation is that with Kirk um it's like when you go on a couple dates with somebody and you keep trying to convince yourself Okay, I like this person. Am I happy? Like thinking about things your therapist says to you, not that like any of this is personal, but it's like you think about things like that, like am I happy? Am I in a situation where like, you know, this is the right person? I wonder if it's like kind of when we talk about locker room culture and chemistry and all the things that build a championship team and are just needed uh, to keep your group together and keep guys, as Myron's saying, in the thick of the season, have them bought in. I just don't know if Kirk's done that yet. And we keep giving him time. Like, it takes time to build a relationship. It takes time to fall in love with the guy. When's time going to be up on that? I mean, because to me, it's like you never heard about that same timetable with with Teddy Bridgewater. And I wonder with with Case, as you bring him up... um, Maybe it was because he's more relatable. He was a blue collar guy, uh, mm. with a, or with like rather like you know the blue collar work ethic, and he was a guy who had been a journeyman quarterback. He'd had the ups, um, and he's had a lot of really crappy downs. And I just don't think that there was ever like the "I'm better than you" type mentality, or "I know more than you," or "This is my team," or "They bought brought me here for you." Um, I sometimes get that vibe, and I just don't know if we've ever had that with um, any of the other quarterbacks that we're talking about. And it's not to say that Kirk Cousins can't be relatable. I think he tries, and I know that people talk about, oh, he's awkward, he's this, he's that. Um, You know, that stuff is neither here nor there if you can win games. But until you can show that winning cures all and you can be as awkward as you want or you can not blink yeah. or you could do all the things that Sam Bradford did, because I'm sure Sam was very quiet. Blink. He um, never blinked. Never. And he never blinked. Like, you know, those types of things. Sam, guys bought into Sam Bradford because he was damn good and he won a lot of yeah. games. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, until Kurt can do that, I just I kind of wonder, too, is like when are when are will it ever be the way that it was with Teddy with with Kurt Cousins? Well, don't you guys think it's going to get late early? I mean, when it comes to this season and how this is all going to go, because when you look at the first four weeks of the season, let's even assume that Oakland is kind of a disaster and will come here and get beat. But you have Atlanta, Green Bay and Chicago in the first four yeah. weeks. I mean, I think we're going to find out very quickly just how the chemistry is working with Kirk Cousins and the rest of the offense. Yeah, and I think everybody could go rogue, right? I mean, the problem is, like, if you don't get it going early, then that's when you get guys kind of doing their own thing, not trusting Kirk, and then that's when you could get a disaster. Like, these are still dudes who are two years removed from an NFC championship game, right? Like, these are still dudes who are like, listen, you brought in someone else who's supposed to be better than Case Keenum. We expect to compete for championships. We obviously didn't do that last year, but still have that attitude. And if you've had a year with the guy and you come into this first stretch of the season – and it's not working, things are not clicking, you're still trying to sort of force this chemistry, what does that say for the rest of the year? I just think this is a team that has to figure out a lot of things in the preseason and early in the regular season, like you said, Kyler, because if they don't, this might get even uglier than it was last year. Okay, so tell me what it would take. Let's say that Kirk Cousins, if I tell you Kirk Cousins somehow this season made the locker room believe in him and they they buy into him completely – what is that going to take? Is that because last year I actually thought that we had a little bit of that when they went to Philadelphia because that was the important game and it was okay. This is the team that you lost to and 
you know, if you can go to Philly and beat them, this is going to be a turning point in the season. It's going to be huge. But then there were far too many other games where he came up short, like in Chicago, when all they needed was one drive, and instead it's a pick six. And there were too many of those moments. And and then, of course, um, you know, the post-game press conferences that were often just disastrous of him uh, ex- over-explaining things that had happened in the game in order to kind of... or You know, is one thing or another last year was either I'm over-explaining what happened on an interception to make it clear it wasn't my fault. Or, or you tell me. You tell me, <laughs> which comes which comes that, off even worse. That's a great line. Yeah, that's right. You tell me. Okay, I got it. Kirk, you threw it to the other guy. Like, that's what happened. And if you say you tell me to a reporter, I'm just ripping the quarterback because you're the guy who threw it, right? Yeah. Like, if you're not going to explain what happened, then I'm going to assume it's your fault because the ball was in your hand. But if I said, yeah, there's a turning point that's coming for Kirk Cousins with this team and this locker room, what is it going to be? Look like $84 million, man. I don't know if it's that complicated. Be an elite quarterback, at least a tier two quarterback, which is where he was listed by Sando, right? Like, be tier, a guy. Tier three. Tier three, I'm sorry. Be you a guy. Be tier, three. be tier two. I'm about be tier two. It definitely don't fall below tier three. But be a guy who can win games. Like, that's what it comes down to, right? You're in a close game down the stretch. Can Kirk Cousins make the throws, the plays necessary to win some of these games? I know that's hard to do, but in terms of how people perceive him, it ain't that doggone complicated, okay? You win games. You do what people expect you to do. You play according to what you're being compensating as. Then people will start to like you, and they'll start to trust you. If you don't do that, then it's going to look like a failure. I think it's that simple. This was always going to be the issue with the dollar figure because – um, there's almost a thought that only we think about it, but uh, guess what? Everybody in the locker room thinks about it, too. And I'm sure they feel the same way, that when a guy doesn't show up in a national TV game, they look at each other and say, they paid that guy $84 million to do what he did in Chicago. Um, yeah. let's, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk about what we want to see from the first-team offense under uh, the Gary Kubiak era in Minnesota. We've got Myron Metcalf. We've got Courtney Cronin, both from ESPN. We will return uh, here on Purple Daily. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of excitement around our offense. And um, the thing that I'm most excited about is the way this this group of guys go out and work every day. Um, one of the things that Coach Stefanski and Coach Kubiak challenged us to do the first day of training camp was not worry about where will this offense be come the first week of September, where will we be in December, um, but going out each day and just working. And one of the nice things that we have here in Minnesota is a great barometer going against our defense. Uh, we get to practice against one of the best defenses in football each and every day. And um, when we have success against those guys, we can gain confidence knowing that we can go out and play against anybody. That was Minnesota Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph. Unclear to me whether he's going to play tonight. I would expect that he would not. I wouldn't think so. I, Why? Because, Why would you push him? Why would you push Dalvin Cook, no. Linville Joseph, Shamar Stefan? Let him sit. Let's not uh, be naming interesting players that will be playing because we're going to save that for hour two. I have made a list of the 10 most interesting players to watch in tonight's preseason game. Again, we will have Ventline. Courtney and I are going to get together to uh, talk on the podcast feed after the game. So uh, lots of content for you surrounding the preseason opener. We've got Myron Metcalf, Courtney Cronin uh, here for this hour. So, uh, Myron, what would you like to see from the first team Vikings offense slash does it matter? Um, You know, I don't know how much you're going to find out 
t- tonight, but I think Irv Smith is a guy in terms of how he works in. And Courtney, I know I'm going to end up calling him Irv Gotti at least six times this season. <laughs> you probably I'm, would I'm, love that. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to help myself. I know I'm going to call him Irv Gotti. But, uh, yeah, I want to see what he does. I mean, I expect him to play uh, enough tonight, right? But I don't know how much you really saw. I think in terms of Gary Kubiak, we're not going to know everything today, but like, I wonder how this works, right? Like, we still don't know exactly what his job is, right? And now we're going to start to find out, okay, what is his true role? Like, what is he really doing? What are players hearing? You know, what's like a live action situation like with Gary Kubiak having this role? And how is Mike Zimmer adjusting to that as well? So I'm actually more interested in the coaches and how they're running the show with all the changes than I am about, you know, what we're going to see in game one on the field. Uh, I'm responding to a tweet, so Courtney, you talk. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, you're that big time. You're let that me, big time. Me, uh, okay, I get it. I get me, it. I know. I get so many responses. You have time to hear. You have time to listen like, to me. Oh, yes, sir. Am I, I bored? You already, Kyler? I was listening. I, was listening. Okay, I, was I know listening. Courtney because you're my homie like that. But Kyler, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm not interesting enough. Is that what it is? It's okay. You can um, admit it. I don't know what you said, so maybe it was interesting. <laughs> it wasn't. Talk about Irv Smith. No, I know, but there's a there's a good point by Ryan on Twitter about what we were talking about last segment that I wanted to bring up before we continue with what we want to see in the. Um, the first team offense and and Ryan is talking about some of the other guys in the locker room should be asking themselves about how they can be better to help the quarterback and and sort of ignore what his salary is because if he's a third tier quarterback but he's being paid like a top 3 quarterback that's not really his fault like he is who he's going to be off the field press conferences, locker rooms, meetings, all those things. Kirk Cousins is no different than the Kirk Cousins in Washington. He's not going to be different than he was this year. He's going to struggle with the same things on the field. He's going to struggle with the same things in the locker room. Like I don't see these things changing, barring some magical sort of Disney moment that he ends up having in the middle of the season or something, right? So there is a point to be made that if you're Kyle Rudolph and you make a mistake and Kirk Cousins throws you under the bus after the game, you can't get too up upset about it you just have to go out and continue to do what you're supposed to do right like I think it's almost on everybody else to just know what he is and how he's gonna be and not end up like Adam Thielen yelling at him on the sideline in week 17 I'm not saying that that's Adam Thielen's fault I'm just saying that now you know now nobody can claim to be caught off guard when he didn't throw a ball up to Kyle Rudolph when he was guarded in the end zone or when he says something in a post-game press conference that makes you go, what? Why would you say that? You know it's coming, so win anyway. Right, that can't be an excuse this year. So win in spite of Kirk is what you're well, saying. Well, not well, not necessarily, <laughs> but but you know what you're working with here. It's right, like it's this. This is not a surprise to you. There is no learning process. There's no chemistry adjustments in year two, guys. Like any of that. It's you know exactly what he can do, what he can't do, and how he's going to act towards you. So adjust. Well, it's like the little things. Like you bring up Rudolph, for example. I think Kirk admitting to us uh, unprompted, which. You know, it was interesting that first press conference that, yeah, I, I didn't throw to Kyle enough last year. I didn't think he was open and I need to trust him more. I didn't trust him. And, um, that to me is a sign of growth in somebody realizing, okay, I screwed up. I am taking accountability and it's not false accountability. It actually, I thought it was pretty genuine. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like anybody asked him about this. And I think it's, you gotta like, read between the lines. Like I said last year was very much a read between the lines type year from what Mike Zimmer was saying to what John DeFilippo was saying to what Kirk Cousins was saying. That's definitely the case this year with the quarterback because li- listen to the things he's bringing up. That's helping shape his agenda and his narrative um, of what he wants 
really himself to be viewed as, I think, in the public eye. So to to say that, you know, other players need to kind of just accept it and, and, and accept who he is, that's fine. That's fair. But this is also, this is football. Like, I'm going to be irritated if somebody throws me under the bus when yeah. I ran the right route at the right depth and all the other stuff, and maybe you threw a bad ball, and I'm a two-time Pro Bowl receiver. Don't throw me under the bus and make a spectacle of me on the sideline coaching me how to run routes. I, I, I'm not going to deal with it well. I know that you're yeah. saying basically, like, suck it up. He's going to do it. That's the thing. He's going to do it. It's almost but like... Should, they should accept it, though? What do you say? Like, to me, like, I don't think it's... I think there's enough room, right, in Season 2 where... I don't think anyone should just accept it. I think he's got to adjust. Yeah, I, like if he doesn't adjust, it's going to affect the team. I so think, it's on yeah, him. I think it's like being mad at the weather. Like the weather is going to be what the weather is going to be. Kirk is going to be Kirk. It's weather gonna, don't get like, paid eighty four Winter is going to be no, cold. No, it right? does not. <laughs> right, but, but that's what I mean. Is like winter's going to be cold. Put on a coat. Like Kirk is already though. You're basically saying like lay down. You you sound like you like just yeah. lay down and died with this thing. Like exactly. I'm accepting it. It's over. Like just like grin and bear it. No, I'm, I'm saying, accepting. It. I'm saying there's nothing you can do about it. Like, but that's the, the problem though. There has to be surprised when there has to. But there has to be something you can do, right? Because this is why he's here so to me you cannot go into this season thinking okay he's just who he is and we just have to adjust to him like that sounds like the person who's moody and everybody in the room has to adjust to how they are depending on what mood they're in those are the worst people in the world to deal with get rid of all of them no Kirk Cousins (laughs) has to decide Kirk Cousins has to decide that he's going to be a leader for this team and all this talk about change he's the one that has to adjust to everyone else Thielen and Diggs those guys don't have to adjust to him can Kirk Cousins be a leader. That's the bottom line. It shouldn't be that hard if you're an elite quarterback. That's kind of the job, right? So I don't think anybody should accept Kirk Cousins having some of the same flaws and challenges he had a year ago. No, he's got to do different things. Well, I, A, I don't think he's an elite quarterback, and B, I don't think that he even... Any reali- quarterback. He any even, quarterback. I don't even think he realizes that he needs to change. I mean, from what we saw at, with Garrett Bradbury the other day, he clearly does not have the social awareness to understand how things come off. Bro, I watch Ayanna fix my life, right? It's this show on Oprah's <laughs> Network, okay? And she fixes people who are far more complicated than Kirk Cousins. Trust me. It's not that hard. Kirk Cousins can change. Trust me. Uh, yeah, I, I love that you're giving the um, Sylvester Stallone speech at the end of Rocky IV. If you can change, I can change. I, I love that you're giving that, but I, I don't think at the age of 31. Uh, if Kirk Cousins was 22 and he just came into the league and he was sort of acting like this, somebody could pull him aside. Maybe they get a journeyman backup who says, hey, here's how you really handle this stuff. He, Payne Manning used to do this stuff when he was real young. He would throw offensive linemen under the bus. Remember the playoff game where he said we had some protection problems and then everyone ripped him for it? And then Manning changed his tune eventually and seemed to change the way that he treated people in the locker room throughout the rest of his career and seemed to become a beloved teammate. Now, maybe that's because he was amazing, but I, I think that he did change how he acted, but Kirk Cousins is 31. He's a grown-up adult. Your person who's moody, if they are a grown-up adult, 31-year-old, are they changing whether they're going to be moody? No. But if you are forced to be in the room with that person, you can't go to another room, Myron. You have to be in the room with them. You have to work with them. You have to achieve what you're supposed to achieve. Then you have to adapt. Because last year, I could totally understand if some people were caught off guard and said, what the bleep is going on here? You're not Teddy. You're not Case. You're acting totally different than any quarterback back I've had. 
I get that. But now, yeah. but now you've seen it. And you and the other thing is too, this goes for on the field and off the field. So when Kirk Cousins doesn't step up in the pocket, well, that's not something he's going to do. If he doesn't take off and run for 20 yards when he's got 20 yards to run, it's not something he's going to do. And if he doesn't throw it when you're covered, it's not something he's going to do. So you have to work around that from Kevin Stefanski, from Gary Kubiak, from Thielen, from Diggs, from everybody has to work to try and cover up the weaknesses that he has in order to win because I don't see him all of a sudden turning on the light. And even though, even if he recognizes he's got to throw it to Kyle Rudolph when he's covered, is he really going to do it? After all this time, he's just going to start doing that? I can't see it. Well, why wouldn't he? I mean, yeah, I, why not? I mean, the statistics have shown, and he's seen it in camp, that Kyle can get open even if he doesn't look like he's open. And I know you're not asking him to become a magically different player. Like, we both know the whole next level thing is kind of BS when you talk about, oh, he's going to be better at sensing the rush from, from the interior, <laughs> and he's going to be able to have you know the internal clock in his head. No, none of that's going to change. It's the to me it's the intangible stuff. To me it's the stuff of like leadership and of, you know, commanding a huddle and, and you know, stepping aside in situations where your voice doesn't belong and letting somebody else do it. Like him doing the whole pregame huddle thing last year, it just felt disingenuous. Hmm. Um and I look at this situation this year of like, okay, what can he do to get the locker room to to really not divide anything? He's gonna be who he is, but at times when it's kind of like controlling that impulse. Like if you feel like, oh, I really want to say this, like just just bite your tongue. He's not going to. I know, but uh, I mean, yeah. it's not that difficult to not do that though, and to have accountability to say we're wrong in this situation. Like yeah. we didn't couldn't even get through training camp without him throwing somebody essentially under. Or, it was a it was a fifth grade joke. Yeah. The the butt sweat thing was just ridiculous. I mean, it's just you know nobody asked him about it. He brought it up on his own. He's trying to be like, hey guys, haha, I got a funny joke here, and that's what I'm that's cool my now. irritation with it. Wait, wait, let me finish. Like Matt, I know you want to jump in here on this, but like that's the thing that irritates me because you can change. You don't you don't have to say that stuff. You can just let it go. And I know whatever impulse. Let it go because you you realize the damage that's done there, and that stuff can sometimes be. You know, wins can fix it, sure, but what if you're not winning games? I know, but we know that he was made aware of how some people perceived his commentary Correct. last year, Correct. and he still goes out and says something ridiculous that gets the poor kid rookie on every ESPN he show debating his sweaty butt. He doesn't get it. I mean, obviously he doesn't get it, but but the stuff you talked about, Matt, like, you, you're right if you're winning. Like, we accept that stuff from winners. Right? Hey, Michael Jordan, you just punched Steve Kerr in the face in practice. Uh, that's okay. You're Michael Jordan, <laughs> right? But, like, no, you don't accept that from dudes who ain't winning. I'm not rocking with you with that attitude, you know, with you being moody like that and throwing me under the bus if we're not successful. But you get a little room when you're winning, right? That's when people go, you know what? He's got his quirks, his flaws, but overall he's leading us uh, to victory, and that's the biggest thing. Kirk doesn't have that. To, to me, he acts like a dude who has clout, and he ain't got that yet. So for me, you've got to realize who you are in that locker room. You haven't won anything. A lot of people probably in that locker room think you're being overpaid. You haven't been able to relate to the folks in the locker room that you're supposed to lead. Tell us why we should believe in you. He's got to come into this thing with that attitude. And if you're a human being, I don't care how old you are, man. If you're a person and you see that situation and you don't understand what's developing around you and you're like, I'm just going to be the same person, that's fine. But you're not going to win. And this is going to be a disastrous year if that's the attitude you take.
Ben Roethlisberger. That's who I kept yep. thinking about the entire time you were talking, Myron. Just how, you know, dude is a jerk with a capital J. And <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. Why? Because yep. he wins games. And I think yep. that if you set that precedent, I mean, it's not necessarily the best like from a sportsmanship, gamesmanship, leadership style. But if you're that good, you can be who you want. Why is Jameis Winston running so thin on everyone in Tampa Bay right now? Because he sucks. He's not yep. good. And he's got a bad attitude. And he's done a lot of really messed up things. So, and I'm not, and it's not at all related, like, you know, the off-field stuff to what I'm saying about Kirk, but it's kind of the same thing where you take a look at, you know, just the quirks and the things like that. It's wearing thin. Already it's wearing thin. I mean, even last season you saw how it kind of broke down the locker room towards the end of the season. Now, how can he fix that? I think it's just a matter of, like, getting to know your people, knowing your place, staying in your lane where you need to. Like, not every quarterback has to be the rah-rah leader and, you know, the guy who opens his mouth about everything. Marcus Mariota doesn't do that. That's You yeah. know, when I think of Tennessee, I don't think Marcus Mariota is the leader of this team. Yes, he's the quarterback, but it's just not his place. And I think that if Kirk can find his place and find what's comfortable, because that's what we've never been able to really dissect with him. Why guys, and why, why people in the media and everywhere we talk about, we just really don't know who this guy is. Is, is he some vulnerable asset here where he's kind of misunderstood. I think that's the word that gets thrown around with Kirk all the time that he's misunderstood. Or is it calculated or is it just that he just has no clue? Like that he's clueless. I mean, the thing with Teddy, and we talked about this off air, and it's coming full circle now. He was so like you just brooded for him because he it wasn't necessarily relatable. Like I didn't grow up in the hood. I didn't grow up not having things. But you know yeah. what? I'm crying when I'm watching him give his mom that pink Cadillac if she beat yep. cancer and all that stuff. That's the type of stuff and it's not you can't manufacture that. So I'm not asking Kirk to go out and be phony and do something like that. But you want to root for people. You have to find a cause and a reason behind it. And Teddy's perseverance story alone, like, you're a sociopath if you're not rooting for somebody like that. <laughs> it's finding those things in Kirk. Like, what, what, what can the fan base, what can the coaching staff, what can the players, like, what can they find in him to want to, you know, buy in and go all and say, I want to win for this guy because of this? Well, he makes that very, very difficult. And it was really easy for, even with Sam Bradford, he was a former number one pick, but he was a guy who had been through a lot with the injuries and Philadelphia bailing on him to draft somebody else. And then with Case Keenum, of course, a guy who's undrafted and is sort of a Texas boy, you know, Friday night lights kid, sort of gunslinger. And everybody liked those things about him. And when someone comes in with one of the biggest, if not the biggest at the time, quarterback contracts uh, of all time in the NFL, that doesn't, it takes away your underdog status. Like no one cares when you were drafted at that point. You're not an underdog anymore if you're the highest paid player in the league when you sign your deal. So he didn't have that going for him. He doesn't have this natural competitive that comes across like Michael Jordan punching a dude in practice. I'm sure half the practice or more was like, all right. Like, I mean, you're going to take it to that level, though. Like, yeah. all right, let's go. I mean, the same thing yeah. with, you know, I never had a problem with Jimmy Butler yelling at everybody either. Because it's like, if you want to if you want to burn that hot and you're this good of a player, then do it. Um, but he doesn't even he doesn't even have that either. He doesn't have that like Tom Brady scream at people. You take it seriously because he's got the competitive edge. So he's sort of lacking these things. I guess I'm just starting to agree with what Ryan on Twitter said that now that you all um, have been away from Teddy for a while. You've been away from Case for a while. You've been with Kirk now. That these are the character flaws that exist with Kirk Cousins. The same way with Case Keenum, 
those footballs were not coming out real sharp, okay? They were coming out wobbly and inaccurate many times. And guess what Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs did? They caught him anyway. They went up contested catches. They fell down to catch him. They one-handed catched him. It didn't matter. They had to adjust. Um, Sam Bradford couldn't outrun me. So, like, okay, <laughs> right? They had to adjust. that He was going to get it out quick and be in the pocket, right? Every quarterback that you have is going to have some shortcomings. I think Cousins' are very unique among leadership positions. How so? Well, What's well, unique about him? Well, I think normally you expect sort of a certain kind of personality, a guy who maybe doesn't call out his center for his butt sweat. Like, you don't expect that sort of thing. You don't expect post game for him to say, yeah, well, if we'd had a block on that play, then I wouldn't have thrown a pick six. You don't expect that. And I think that's a shortcoming of Kirk Cousins is that he's willing to do stuff like that. Yeah, but um, yeah, you to me, you have to have... But he's just never going to. So when he does that to you, you, you gotta just, do something, you just have to let it slide off. But if you're not winning. You've got to do something. You're, you're not winning. That, that's, that's hard stuff for guys to let for competitors I know, but to now let that slide you know off. It's coming, now that you go. know that it's coming, yep, you're going to have to let it go. Mitigate it before it even happens. He's got to change. He's got to make some changes. Like, it shouldn't continue to happen. I'm like not that's, saying it's that's okay. What it comes I'm down saying to. it won't change. But then how does that affect the team? I think that's the... And, 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 and that's my thing is it's all about how you react to it. So I'll give you an example. I read a study about people arguing with their spouses. OK, I'm mm-hmm. sure that uh, this has never happened um, to any of us. But so when uh, they, they found that when uh, I think it was if it's a man and a woman, if the guy like continues to escalate things, and get angry and angrier, there's a very high chance that those people are going to get divorced. If the guy walks away from the argument and goes for a drive and comes back, there's a very high chance that they're not going to get divorced. You have a choice of how you're going to handle it when you're arguing with somebody, when you're unhappy with someone. So if you are the offensive line, if you're the tight end, if you're one of the wide receivers, you now know what's coming and you have a choice of how you react to it. To say this 31-year-old guy should just change is it's very unlikely that someone's personality is just going to morph. So you have a choice, if you're a receiver, how you're going to react to it. And I think this year it's not escalate things and not take it too personally if Kirk says that you ran the wrong route. I don't think Adam took it that personally, though. I think that he did ever. You know, Stefan Diggs going over there and pointing it, tapping his chest saying, it's on me, it's on me, was him trying to de-escalate the situation. And I don't, I mean... You would have done the exact same thing in the heat of the moment. Someone calls you out. You would have looked at him at the, and said the exact same thing. Whatever Adam said, you would have said no. the same thing. I and I don't think that and, you can and fault this year him you for have that. To change it. I just don't think you can fault him for that. It's heat of the moment. If this stuff happens when you're like you know fighting to get to the playoffs in a no show loss, what's that going to be when the, when it's an actual like really really serious situation? I don't know. Okay, let's take a break. We'll come back and we will get back. I know. To- I was. Trying we to talk about, about the offensive line, and you just derailed it. Uh, appreciate the, the tweet from Ryan. He listens to the show a lot, so the, I, I, that thank you, Ryan. Sparked an interesting conversation. So, all right, uh, hang tight. We'll be right back. More talk about tonight's preseason game when we return. You are listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Two fifty here at Score North. Time for the Score North download for the second time this season. Nelson Cruz lands on the injured list. For his wrist injury, he left last night's game in the fourth inning. The Twins placed Nelson Cruz on the 10-day injured list today because of his left wrist strain and recalled right-handed pitcher Cody Stashek from AAA Rochester. If you want more Twins content outside of the first place Score North Twins show, you can check out Minnesota Sports Rewind. It's where Score North goes back in time and dives deep into some of the most prominent moments in Minnesota sports history, including Twins and Tigers game 163, Twins and A's, 
from the 2002 ALDS. We've also got some Wolves-related ones on there. Kevin Love's 30-30 and 30 game and Kevin Garnett's dominating Game 7 against Sacramento. That's called Middle Sports Rewind on ScoreNorth.com, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. That's been your ScoreNorth download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan, Myron Metcalf, Courtney Cronin, Purple Daily. We'll have a Zulgad appearance in just a few minutes and run through the 10 most interesting players. But I have to bring this up. Uh, interesting story that Antonio Brown is apparently sitting out from Raiders camp, not because of the foot issue with the uh, frozen feet and, and the frostbite and so forth, but because he has filed a grievance having to do with his helmet that he wants to keep his old helmet, and the NFL wants him to change. But this is going great, isn't it, Myron? Perfect. I mean, it's I'm perfect for hard knocks. Yes, it is. It's great. It's great for hard knocks, which is all I really care about at this point. But it's also like, okay, you got to do an Antonio Brown who last year at Steelers camp, everybody was together on campus. He had an Airbnb by himself, right? I mean, this dude is different. He's always been different. No one should be surprised if all of a sudden there's some sort of disagreement between him and the Raiders. I just wonder how long before John Gruden just snaps and gets frustrated with everything that's transpired just in the first couple weeks of training camp with Antonio Brown. I I still would have traded for him. I know you would have. Um, I've been I've been tracking what Antonio Brown's been saying on his social media because I think that subtweets and uh, sub Instagram messages are yeah. really strange. Um, so, the, so there's this one picture. I've just been wondering, kind of, what is he talking about? Because he had something on an Instagram story the other day talking about I will never involve myself with something like that's not good for me mentally, something I don't profit from, et cetera, et cetera. And then he has this photo of him and his three boys. Uh, it was the Where's Roethlisberger scene. Uh, if you guys have seen Hard Knocks yeah. already. It says, quote, sons, watch how they use us for they benefit. They then slander our name when we don't let them use us. Hashtag stay woke. Is there something going on here that I'm just not aware of? This doesn't have to do with you being a bozo and not putting socks on to go into the cryotherapy chamber. Like, there's something else that's... Like, could it go any more Raiders than it's going right now? Then, you know, you lose your left guard for eight games because of, you know, whatever happened yesterday in training camp and you have Richie Incognito suspended for, what, first two games for whatever happened. The Antonio Brown nonsense. Um, Hard Knocks is there documenting all of this. Like, this just seems like... It's almost like too fake. I can't. Yes. I can't buy it because it just feels like it's too Hollywood for its own good. Well, I'll give you a quote. Mike Silver has this from someone with the team. It's honestly the quote is honestly one of the most insane things I've ever heard. I don't know why it's so important to him to have this helmet. So uh, yes, Antonio Brown has gone full Antonio Brown already with the uh, Raiders. All right, we got a couple minutes here left, so I want you guys to give me the one thing from the first team offense that you absolutely need to see. Now, Myron, you went into depth about Irv Smith. So is it an Irv Smith touchdown that you need to see? What what do you need to see exactly? I just want to see him get loose. I mean, let's let's see how he can play because I think the depth of that position is going to be a big factor, I think, for the Vikings. And just giving Kirk Cousins as many options and targets as possible. So it's also his birthday, I think. Is that right? Did I make that up? So is it his Irv birthday Smith's tonight? Birthday? I think it might be his birthday. It, it could, I thought I read something. I could be wrong about that, but it is uh, according to Jonathan. Thank you. It is okay. Yeah. It's well his done. birthday, so uh, you know I, I want to see him have a, a good birthday. And... Hey, twenty-one years old in New Orleans. Oh Ooh. my goodness, <laughs> he might not be at the game, right? <laughs> Let's, that's a success if he gets to the game. Yeah, but I, but I think him showing up and having a big night uh, that'll be a promising development for the entire team. 
For me, it's I want to see Alexander Madison get a touchdown because I want to. I just want to gauge the strength of the starting offensive line because I'm not. I'm going into this thinking, okay, Dalvin Cook is not playing just because I would hold sure. him out this first one. Um, so let's see how the run blocking is. Just just give me something, one small thing, because you're not going to be able to tell great pass blocking from if they play the what a first quarter together, if yeah. they even play the whole quarter. So yeah. let me see an Alexander Madison touchdown. Let me see how Pat Elfline plays at left guard. Does he get pushed around? Um, how does Garrett Bradbury handle getting in and out of the huddle, snap count? Is there any sort of sweating issues? I'm <laughs> kidding about the last part. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I care about. I uh, l- l- Let me be extremely lame and say if I were looking for one big thing from the first team offense, it would be do not get hurt, anyone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Nobody Preach. get hurt. Everybody right. stay healthy. Um, Myron, great stuff. Thanks for coming on. You Thanks, and I are going to be on every this Friday. Thank you, Courtney. And, man, I feel yeah. official with you two. Sometimes I'll bring in a Cronin here on a Friday. Uh, all right. Well, appreciate it. Courtney's going to stick around. Zolgad's going to be in. We'll be back. Here you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.